0: all right we are connected and we are live and i'm gonna uh, I've got the music feed finally once again ladies and gentlemen getting all hooked up as we should be and here's the intro music free people will never remain free if they are not willing if need be to fight for their vital interests in this present crisis, government is not the solution to our problem. Government is the problem. Grace Cal one and pass the ammunition. The Restoration Hour with Pastor Eli James. Oh, there's nothing like the feeling of getting organized. Welcome everybody. Pastor Eli James here, and this is Eurofolk Radio, Restoration Hour. And today is going to be part two of a series. I think there's going to be a long series on the Gods of Eden, an article written by Pastor Dave Barley, a non-seedliner and the follower of Sheldon Emery. In fact, uh, Sheldon Emery's son-in-law, where I anticipate we're going to be doing, uh, Stories by Sheldon Emery as well. Okay. So, um, I'm going to first uh, bring up the, the article and I'll see if I can share this with people in the Eurofolk Radio chat room and also on Telegram. Uh, so you can share this, uh, and read along with us here. And if I can't get this done, okay. Eurofolk Radio, uh, uh, for some reason, I'm I'm not in the chat area. But anyway, uh, I'll, I'll put it in the Eurofolk radio chat and somebody, maybe Lily, can share it with people on Telegram as well. So, it's the Gods of Eden by Dave Barley and a real quick uh, recitation or re- recapitulation of what we talked about last week. Uh, we talked about whether or not Yahweh creates evil and we concluded that uh, that was a mistranslation that people uh, like Dave Barley and Sheldon Emery and many non-seedliners falsely assume that Yahweh does evil and uh, I quoted James that let no one say that Yahweh does evil, <laughs> right? Or that Yahweh tempts us with evil. So it's a misunderstanding of the word "evil," and it should have been translated "catastrophe," or "calamity," or "judgment," etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So, uh, there's a, a tendency, not just among non-seedliners, but many others in Ju- Judeo-Christianity, to jump at the—I well, would say—the most obvious meaning of a word, and not d- dig any deeper into the meaning, and. Uh, that's what a lot of people do, and a lot of non seed liners do that as well so so let me get into the document here, which I just posted the link in the Eurofolk radio chat room, and here we go so last week uh we left out uh left off talking about the uh the, the Lucifer in the Book of Isaiah, and I concluded, and uh, most n- most seedliners conclude that that is a double metaphor, where even though it says we're talking about the King of Babylon, we're also talking about Lucifer, the Son of the Morning, and uh, we concluded from uh, a uh, not a totally thorough now, but certain verses. Show that the, uh, we're talking about a spiritual entity, not just the king of Babylon. So it's a double metaphor. The king of Babylon is being compared to the uh, son of the morning. Son of the morning is being compared to the king of Babylon. And we will find when we get into the king of Tyre that uh, there, there's things said about the king of Tyre, which are not true about the king of Tyre. Uh, for example, the king of Tyre did not rule the world. <laughs> he, did, he, did not, he did not overthrow kingdoms. Tyre was not a, uh, a military kingdom. So you have to, again, you have to think in terms of double metaphors where the meanings of the words can ap- apply to either entity. And, and we were talking last week about the king of Babylon versus the son of the morning, translated as Lucifer. But... uh it's it's really obvious to me that that's what's going on in both these cases here. All right, so uh, so let me just pick it up where uh we left off last week. So, the, did the king of Babylon make the earth to tremble? Yeah, he did shake. Well, he only shook one kingdom, the king of Babylon. Uh, shook the, uh, he defeated the, uh, let's see this, Assyria. Yeah, it was Egypt, Assyria, Babylon. The Babylonians destroyed Assyria and Israel and maybe, uh, made war against other kingdoms as well. But, uh, they're not, not as powerful as, uh, you know, Dave Barley makes them out to be. Anyway, he says, Dave Barley says here, Yes, this man, this king of Babylon fell from power, fell from his high position. And when he fell, his kingdom fell. There was a great trembling among the nations. Well, that was actually happiness among the nations when the king of Babylon fell. And Lily inserts here, because this is from uh, Lily's website, study.faithweb.com. And Lily says here, The king of Babylon fell from power just as Lucifer fell from heaven. For I don't believe that the king of Babylon fell from heaven. This comparison is a word picture to help us understand what brought about and presently brings about the fall of man and oppressive empires. So you need to have an open mind. And here Barley continues. So you need to have an open mind to truth when you're reading scripture verses that applies to both seedliners and non-seedliners. You like the psychological plug here. Lily is interjecting here. He's saying that if you don't agree with him, you are closed-minded. Yes, that's what he's saying. (laughs) That's what he's saying. Barley continues, I submit to you that the Word of God is more down to, excuse me for using this description, but it fits, and it's a good one, more down to earth than what people imagine. Well, I don't agree. I don't agree. I'm going to go into the New Testament and quote some verses. Let's go to Ephesians two two where because you know, the, the problem here is that Dave Barley, Sheldon Emery, and many other non seed don't believe in the spiritual Satan. They don't believe in the spiritual Satan. Uh and it's a questionable whether they believe that there is life after death, and they don't appear to believe that there is consciousness in the grave. Now if that's the case, why did Jesus go down into hell and preach to the sinners down in hell? <laughs> All right? uh, that just occurred to me I'll have to look that one up. But in any case, let me uh here I'm already in Matthew chapter twenty-seven, and Matthew twenty seven is when the souls of the dearly departed Israelites came out of their graves and they, they shared their experience having knowledge of the fact that Yahshua had just resurrected, shared that knowledge with the living Israelites. And it goes like this. This is Matthew 27 verse 50. And Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghosts. Now, what's this ghost? <laughs> uh-uh. And here again, the soul. The rational soul. It as a, let me give the entire definition. If the word is pneuma, Greek word 4151. It means breath or a breeze by analogy or figuratively a spirit. That is the rational soul by implication, vital principle, mental disposition or superhuman, an angel, demon or divine being, God. Christ's spirit, the Holy Spirit, ghost, life, spirit, etc. Okay, so it doesn't mean just air or breath. It has all these additional meanings, which are uh, essentially spirit. He gave up the... Now, when you die, you give up the ghost, okay? The ghost departs from your body and goes where? Where? Well, either to heaven or to hell or or some other place. Anyway, verse 51. And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom, and the earth did quake, and the rocks rent, and the graves were opened. Menemion. Now, that's a tough one, the graves, Menemion. A remembrance that is cenot- Cenotop. All right. That's another, that's another new word for me. And it's, uh, but the graves were opened and many bodies of the saints which slept arose. Now, of course, their body didn't arise. Their soul, their spirit arose. Okay. So that's what it says here of the saints have to be Israelites which slept. Arose okay, Paul also refers to death as a form of sleep. It's not the end of consciousness in any way, shape, or form. Verse fifty-three, and came out of the graves, again it's Menamion, and that is a place of interment, grave sepulchre tomb, after his resurrection, and went into the holy city and appeared unto many. Okay. So the souls of the dearly departed appeared unto many. That's absolute proof that their souls survive death and their souls survive the grave. It's not clear from the writings of Barley and Emery whether they believe that our souls survive death. Okay. And Brother Ebert in the chat room of Eurofolk Radio, uh, quotes, I will bring evil upon this place. I, Yahweh, will bring harm, calamity, punishment upon this place. Harm comes from the curses of Deuteronomy 28 for disobedience. Yes, and the idea that Yahweh commits evil or violates his own law, that is a a false interpretation of that verse. Yes, he brings calamity upon those who deserve it. That's what that verse means. Thank you, Brother Ebert. Okay, so let's continue with this article here. And actually, let me get into these other verses that I have queued up here. Second Corinthians 4, 4. And let me uh, open up Second Corinthians 4. I'll start from verse 1. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, committing ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world, the God of this world, Theos, Deity, especially the Supreme Deity, but in this case it's not the Supreme Deity because he's talking about the God of this world, has blinded the minds of them which believe not, which includes the minds of Emory and Barley. They don't want to believe in a spiritual Satan, a spiritual force that exists in a disembodied state. They don't want to believe them. Verse 4, let me repeat it. Let me start it over. In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Okay? So clearly, Paul is teaching us that there is a God of this world who is neither Yahshua Messiah or Yahweh. And let's go to ephesians two two where Paul makes a similar statement ephesians two two I'll read from verse one and you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins now he's speaking to the living Israelites here, wherein in time past he walked according to the curse of this world according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. The prince of the power of the air is a spirit. Again, that's Numa. And let me pre- the, the the definition here. That is breath or a breeze by analogy or figuratively. A spirit, okay? A spirit that is disembodied. The, these are the meanings of the words. And let me go to Matthew eight verses eight through thirty. I wrote this down and uh oh sorry, Matthew eight. I'm in the wrong chapter, verses twenty-eight through thirty. I'll get there momentarily. Okay, and this is the episode of Jesus Heals Two Men with Demons. Now Those who do not believe in a spiritual Satan, a spiritual realm in which demons and devils and Satan itself dwells, they must think this whole conversation that Yahshua has with these two demons must be figurative or imaginary. Verse 28, and when he was come to the other side of the country, Of the Gergesenes, there met him two possessed with devils, and the Bible is replete with demons and devils. Uh, The word "shade" in Hebrew means demon. We see we find that in the Old Testament. Devils coming out of the tombs, exceeding fierce, so that no man might pass by that way. Okay, so there's demons coming out of the tombs. Are we to regard this as figurative language? How can it be figurative if Yahshua is conversing with these demons? Verse 29, And behold, they cried out, saying, What have we to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God? Art thou come hither to torment us before the time? These demons know that uh, they will be destroyed at the second coming, at the judgment day. They know that. That's why they make the statement. Verse 30, And there was a good way off from them, and heard of many swine feeding. So the devils besought him, saying, If thou cast us out, Suffer us to go away into the herd of swine. We'd rather be living in swine than have no body to attach to that's what these demons like to do they want to attach to bodies why because they love the sensations of the physical world you know lust pleasure alcoholism the, t- the taste of food etc etc this is what the demons long for that's why they look for bodies to possess verse 32 and he said unto them go and when they were come out now, is this figurative language when they were come out? Is this conversation that Yahshua is having with these demons imaginary? Figurative. If it's figurative, what is the lesson? Now, here, the general thrust of the non-seedliners who do not believe in the literal, literal Satan is that evil is... Comes only from us from the evil thoughts and deeds of mortals. That's how they think of evil. They do not believe that there is an evil being out there that has power over this world. They don't believe that. But the two quotations from Second Corinthians four four and Ephesians two two, Paul clearly asserts that there is a spirit a spiritual power that does these things, not just a human being, okay? So let me ver- read verse 32 again. Again, this is Matthew eight thirty-two, And he said unto them, Go! And when they were come out, they went into the herd of swine. And behold, the whole herd of swine ran violently down a steep place into the sea, and perished in the water. So these demons would rather live in swine than have no body to dwell in at all. Of course, these swine perished, so these demons were bodiless after all. Verse 33. And they that kept them fled. You know, the shepherds? Is that what you call a guy who, a swine herders? <laughs> a swine swineherders. Swine herders? they kept them fled and went their ways into the city and told everything that was befallen to the possessed of the devils and behold the whole city came out to meet jesus and when they saw him they besought him that he would depart out of their coast <laughs> no we don't we don't want you casting demons out of bodies okay i don't see how you can take this in any other way than literal because Otherwise, you're saying that Jesus is having an imaginary conversation with demons. I don't think so, folks. I don't think so. Okay, the Bible is too replete with episodes of spiritual entities, such as, for example, the angels that came and talked with Job. They tried to help Job. And the homosexuals of Sodom and Gomorrah, because they materialized. These angels materialized, and the homosexuals of Sodom and Gomorrah tried to have sex with them. And they they dematerialized before the homosexuals of Sodom and Gomorrah could do that. So, I mean, there's no doubt that the Bible teaches spiritual realms. You can call it heaven, you can call it... Uh, another dimension, I don't care what you call it, but as a spiritual dimension, which also includes the supernatural. Because so many things that Yahshua did were supernatural powers. Where did the energy come for all these supernatural deeds, like walking on water, that he did? Where did that come from? It comes from another dimension. That's That's how I see it. And I don't see how you know anybody who does not believe in Satan can gainsay all of these spiritual and and, and demon possessed episodes that we were have just been talking about. So let's get back to the document here. And I, I I got into this, and I probably forgot where I left up. Oh yeah, and yeah. So barley is saying you 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 you're, you're closed minded if you don't believe the way he does, okay? I do not believe that evil comes only from the minds and actions of men. It comes from other realms as well, okay? All right, so let's continue with Barley. They want to put, they those who believe in a literal Satan, they want to put out there on some weird esoteric phenomenon or zone or thought concerning our God and they become so everything is so spiritualized they don't grasp the reality of the world in which we are living and how things affect us and how governments and how kingdoms and how men affect us. Well, that's definitely not true. Just because I believe in a spiritual entity called Satan who has power over this world, and and uh, I believe that the only power that this entity has really is deception. He had, you know, but there are people who are possessed by demons. And if they're possessed by demons, these demons can cause literal harm to their bodies. So you don't want to, you don't want to go there. You know, and the more uh, psychoactive drugs you take, the more likely you are to uh, get involved in these, this demon possession. So it's not like I believe that this is the only source of the evil. And I totally agree that we Israelites, uh, we we can be evil also. And uh, the non-white people can be evil also and do evil unto us. It's just, I believe evil comes from both places, not just the physical realm. So it's very clear that Barley does not believe that there is a spiritual source for evil and then, so how, again, getting back to Genesis three, fourteen, and 15, and also Genesis 6, where we're clearly told that the angels who left their first estate embodied and seduced or raped Adamic women. Where did they come from? Where did they come from? So, the non-seedliners have no explanation for this. And Lily inserts this comment. Notice the psychology he's using here. He's saying that if you don't agree with him, you're out of touch with reality and don't have an open mind. This is a red flag that he's brainwashing instead of teaching. Well, uh, I think he's the one who's closed-minded. Okay, (laughs) Accusing others of being closed-minded. So let's continue with Barley. So there's out there concentrating on the spiritual, invisible, no gods. Well, it's not true that there's no gods. Paul also says there's gods many. And in the Old Testament, we have gods, literal gods, the fallen angels, okay? How do you deal with fallen angels? Do you deny their existence? Idols, there are idols that don't exist. There are false gods that Israel and other people worship, but that doesn't mean that all of them are false. What about the, the angels, the sons of God, in disembodied form in Genesis chapter 2, who are referred to as an army? Let me go there. I believe it's Genesis two four. Right after the creation episode in Genesis one, where it says, verse well verses one through four, thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them, who are the hosts in the heavens and the earth, not just the earth, folks, the heavens and the earth, and all the host of them, the word host. Is that for some reason, when I try to click on this, on this word, it appears in this, immediately this disappears. So let me continue reading. I'll come back to this verse. And on the seventh day, Elohim ended his work, which he had made, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had made. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because in that, in it, he had rested from all his work. Now, uh, verse four. These are the generations of the heavens. Shemaim. Generations. The family. That is the family of the heavens and of the earth. When they were created in the day that Yahweh God had made the earth. And the heavens. So verse 4 is clearly telling us that there are families of beings in the heavens and the earth. So let me go back to verse 1 and see if I can get the... Okay, here it is. Host is Tzaba. And there's another uh, version of it. Tzibaya. Tzibaya. A mass of persons especially regularly organized for war as an army, by implication a campaign, literally or figuratively appointed time, battle, company, host, service, soldiers, waiting upon war, etc. So let me read it, now that you understand the meaning of the word Saba. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the hosts of them, we're talking both heavens and the earth. So clearly the Bible is teaching us that there is a spiritual realm which is inhabited. And what about the cherubim uh, that, uh, are also sitting at the right hand of Yahweh or supposed or, or uh, sitting at the throne of Yahweh? Okay. Only Yahshua sits at the right hand of Yahweh. So the, to deny the spiritual realm is You're kind of an odd thing. When I first heard Sheldon Emory say that he doesn't believe in a a literal Satan, I said, what? (laughs) What's wrong with this guy? (laughs) Right? Anyway, because it was so obvious to me that uh, these spiritual realms do exist and that these are inhabited realms. This is another dimension of reality. And where, where do our spirits come from? Do our spirits come from nowhere? And the Bible clearly says that we were held in abeyance. That we, our spirits, were created before we embodied. And that we have embodied for the purpose of overthrowing Satan's empire. This is the statements of predestination by Paul. Okay? So, it's really odd, given all of these statements in the Bible of our disembodied state of being that Emery and Barley would deny that there is a disembodied state of being for Satan, for Lucifer. Okay? So I just found it very odd and uh, could not, maybe I'm just (laughs) closed-minded. But I don't think so. I don't think so. So let's get back to the article. So it's, let me just repeat this. He's clearly saying that there is no spiritual power from where demons. He's trying to say that everything is literally in this world and no other world. And clearly Paul does not agree with this, this reasoning. Okay. Now, uh, Lily interjects here. I wonder what he thinks demons or devils are. <laughs> does he think they are simply evil people? He does not elaborate. He doesn't go there. In Deuteronomy 32.17, the world devils is interchangeable with gods. Okay, so let me go to Deuteronomy 32.17 and see what it tells us there. Deuteronomy thirty-two. Scrolling down to verse 17. Oh, I'm being attacked by a mosquito. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Speaking of the Israelites abandoning Yahweh. and let me scroll back to verse 15 here. But Yeshurun waxed fat and kicked and kicked. Thou art waxen fat, thou art grown thick, thou art covered with fatness. Then he forsook Elohim which made him and lightly esteemed the rock of his salvation. So we're talking about ruin. They provoked him to jealousy with strange gods, with abominations provoked they him to anger. They sacrificed unto devils, not to God, and devils is Hebrew word number 7700, shade, which is defined as a demon or a devil. They sacrificed unto demons, not to God. Now, are these demons people? I don't think Barley can give us a, a definition of his own. It clearly says demons. They sacrificed unto demons, not to God. To gods whom they knew not. Elohim. Plural of H433, gods in the ordinary sense, but specifically used in the plural thus, especially with the article of the supreme God. We're definitely not talking about the supreme God here. Gods in the plural. Angels, God, goddesses, goddesses, judges, mighty ones, magistrates, etc. Okay, so they've sacrificed unto devils and to gods whom they knew not, to new gods that came newly up, whom your fathers feared not. Okay, so in, in many cases. These are fictitious gods, and they worship the idols of these fictitious gods, gods, that's for sure. But they're not all fictitious. Some of these are demons. Okay, so we find in the Old Testament and the New Testament that these demons are real. And the Hebrew word for them is shade, H7700. So let's continue with the document here. Yeah, so are these simply evil people? I don't think so. The Bible doesn't say they're simply evil people. They're referencing demons. Okay. Yes, and that's correct. In Deuteronomy 32.17, the word devils is interchangeable with gods. Very good. Very good, Lily. Deuteronomy 32.17. They sacrificed unto devils, not to God, to gods whom they knew not, etc the word for devil is shade and means an idol to rule lord master demon this brings to mind ephesians 6:12 for we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities against powers against the rulers of the darkness of this world against spiritual wickedness in high or heavenly places again there's that word spiritual Now, if the Bible uses the word spiritual, we're not spiritualizing. It's the Bible that's spiritualizing. The Bible does refer to spiritual places that are not literal on this earth. Continuing with Barley. Well, I want to tell you that if you're so concerned about these demons and devils, why don't you go down to Congress if you really believe in casting devils out of people and grab your congressman by his shirt collar and cast the devil out of him, right? And if that's what's going, going to take to clean up our nation, then by God, we better make tracks down to Congress and local courthouse and clean the devils out. Because I am telling you that the fact is that we better get our head in, that is that it is spiritual wickedness in high places of our government, where this evil is concentrated. And can't you feel the evil today? I sure can. Well, yeah, I I feel both kinds of evil. Just because Barley doesn't believe in spiritual evil doesn't mean that we rule out the literal evil, the the evil in the minds of Jews and other humanoids. Okay? And Lily interjects here. Doesn't Ephesians 6.21 tell us that it's not flesh and blood men, but rulers of darkness in the heavenly or spiritual realms that we wrestle against? Yes, that's exactly what it says. Now I could agree that these spiritual beings are walking in shoe leather amongst us, otherwise known as Nephilim, as they were in Genesis 6. Christ forewarned us that it was going to be like it was in the days of Noah, interbreeding with the Nephilim. Dr. Swift found in Enoch that the Negro race came from dark angels and devastation that fell on the Egyptians from fallen angels. Cain was such a creature and his children are devils because they are of their father. The devil, First John three twelve, mixing with fallen angels and mixing with their offspring is an abomination. Yes, and of course, again, the non-seed learner do not want to believe in the literal seduction of Eve by the fallen being called Gadra, who is named as such in the book of Enoch. So, again, so, Dave Barley is mocking the whole idea of literal spiritual wickedness. But the Bible does not mock it. Only the non-seedliners do. And only those who don't believe in Satan. Okay, and uh, I think it was Malcolm Muggeridge who said, the greatest coup that the devil ever achieved was to convince people that he does not exist, okay? (laughs) Okay? And so apparently the non-seed lighters have fallen for this ruse that he does not exist. Continuing with Barley. We talked about the Vietnam War earlier. Where do you think that spiritual wickedness came from concerning the Vietnam War? So is spiritual something only in the minds of humans? Is that how Barley wants to use the word spiritual? The same place it came from concerning the civil war. The war between the North and the South. Same place. I'm assuming he's talking about the minds of men. All the wars. Basically, all the wars of men have been of greed and profit and power. Power, control, power, plays, and corruption. Well, they have been that too, right? Because that's how it plays out. But that does not address the issue of fallen angels. Do you not believe in the fallen angels, Dave Barley? Do you not believe what it says in Genesis chapter 6? So he drops the subject. Well, let's move on to Ezekiel 27. Well, actually, it's chapter 28. That this individual was in dispute with me over, and I respect his opinion, but let's go and first of all look in Ezekiel chapter 27, okay? To begin with, Ezekiel chapter 27. But you know, let me see here. I'm sorry it is. Let's start reading in Ezekiel chapter 27 verse 1. It says, this must be a uh, transcription of what he was saying because it's really odd for someone to write this way. So it must be a transcription. The word of the Lord came unto me saying, now thou son of man, take up a lamentation for Tyrus. And Lily interjects here. Tyrus was an island situated on a rock and Tyrus means rock about a half a mile from the mainland, and had ports all around her that ships could enter from the north and the south ends of the island. This enabled a ship to find a port no matter which way the wind was blowing. Continuing with Barley, And say unto Tyrus, O thou that art situate at the entry of the sea, now this is literally true of Tyre, a merchant of the people for many isles, Thus saith Yahweh Elohim, O Tyrus, thou hast said, I am of perfect beauty. Thy borders are in the midst of the seas. Thy builders have perfected thy beauty. Okay, so far, so good. We're, so far, we're still talking only about Tyre. And Lily interjects here, Tyrus was a type of Babylon the Great of this t- end time, the perfect city of Satan's beautiful one world system. <laughs> yeah, where did that one world government come from? Because it all, it started out in Egypt. And from Egypt, and moved to Assyria, and from Assyria, and moved to Babylon. Of course, these are the international banksters who were the evil priests of the day, for sure. And you you can talk about this being uh, purely literal on earth. And that would not affect the uh, argument here. Whereby, through the wielding of economic power, the control of health, education, policy, and religion could be achieved yeah so we're not we're not ruling out the literal earthly as Barley seems to suggest. we're not ruling that out at all. We're just saying that the evil comes from both places, and he's still quoting thy thy builders, thy shipbuilders, the builders of your big courthouses and palaces and castles and your cities. It made you beautiful, Earth, the city of Tyre or Tyrus that dwells. In it says, at the entry of the sea. Now remember that this is a lamentation that is taken up for Tyrus. That's what it says. Earlier, we we read about the lamentation that was taken up against the kingdom of Babylon, right? It's a great city, a port city, controlled by who? Merchant. However, as we pointed out last time, Barley fails to address the fact that there's a sentence from the people who are already in Hades, already in hell, welcoming the king of Babylon down to their realm. And Barley totally ignores that sentence. Totally ignores it. Okay, so who was it that was waiting for the king of Babylon to come down and join them? It was those demons, those fallen angels. Okay. And Lily interjects here. Okay. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm past that. So, our nation is in control of merchants today, is it not? Well, it's actually the merchants are in control of our nation. That's what's really going on. But it is a great city, a port city, and it is heav- heavily controlled by merchants. It, and here, my view of the this parable is, has always been that Tyre is a kind of mystery Babylon. Because why? Well, you look in Revelation chapter 17, 18, and 19, and you see that mystery Babylon is an empire of merchants who control the seas, who control the banks, who control merchandise everywhere, and that's what we have. So Tyre is being compared to mystery Babylon for sure. Okay? And... Barley continues, money changes price gougers, market manipulations. They literally control the economy of many nations, and they are dwelling here in Tyre. Yeah, to a certain extent, to a certain extent. But Tyre did not control Rome, did not control Egypt. In fact, Tyre didn't control any nation at all. Because Tyre was not a military empire. It was simply, as Mystery Babylon is, an empire of merchants. And they had ships, but they were easily conquered by Rome and other military empires. Which tells us that Tyre was not as powerful as Barley seems to believe. The merchants of Tyre and the prince of Tyre literally had the power to bring other economies to their knees by first of all charging too much for products, or maybe not even providing products or services. There are all kinds of ways in which they could do this, but Tyre is really proud of itself as we are reading a description of it in these verses. They know their influence and power. They know that many nations are dependent upon them. And therefore, they can control governments and government policy to benefit their merchants or the agents of many nations. Well, the, the kingdom of Tyre was defeated by Greece and by Rome. They did not have enough military strength to control any nation militarily. So Barley is mistaken here. The only control they had was mercantile. The only control they had is mercantile, and if they came up another against another country, they were in dire straits. Now he says Now this is a symbiotic relationship. Yeah, that's true. Yeah it it takes it takes two to tango, (laughs) it takes a buyer and a seller. See if you'll pass laws, and you'll pass policies that will aid our industry, that will aid our field of particular merchandise that we're in. Maybe, maybe it's money. Maybe it's in gold or silver. Maybe it's in oil. So he's just speculating. Yeah, he's just explaining. He's explaining the relationship between Tyre and the Rockefellers. Okay, so O Tyrus, thou hast said. I am of perfect beauty, okay fine so did so does the great horror of revelation uh she's bedecked with jewels. I sit a queen who can dethrone me now isn't this what they say of Lucifer? Yes, oh Lucifer, you thought you were the most beautiful archangel in heaven, oh Lucifer, you played the flute, and you well, not Lucifer, the uh satyr <laughs> right, <laughs> and you played instruments better than anybody else. All the stuff about Lucifer, they conjure up out of nothing. That's not true. We don't conjure it up out of nothing. It's in there. It's in the verses. It's Lucifer is the son of the morning. Is the king of Babylon ever referred to as the son of the morning? Is the prince of Tyre ever referred to as the son of the morning? I'm not aware that either of those entities are ever referred to as the Son of the morning. Now, I want you to skip down to verse 10. Matthew 27, verse 10. Oh, I didn't realize we were in Matthew. I'm sorry, Ezekiel. Okay, yeah, this is the transcription. I'm sorry, Ezekiel 27 and verse 10. I don't know why I said Matthew, but that's why I've got you guys out here. Keep me on track. We're not going to read all of these, and there are many verses that deal with this. But this gives you an, an overall perspective of the governments, the different states that are part of the system here. And again, it's a symbiotic relationship. Look at verse 10 again. They of Persia and of Lud and of Fut were in thine army, thy men of war. They hanged the shield and the helmet in thee, they set forth thy comeliness. The men of Arvad with thine army were upon the, wa- the walls round about. And gamadims were in thy towers. They hang their shields upon thy walls round about. They have made thy beauty perfect. And Lily says, the picture perfect type of Babylon the great that all looked so wonderful and beautiful. Peace, prosperity, and homeland security for all who trade with her. Of course, I mean, this is uh, from the perspective of the tyrant. Okay, There's no doubt that that's what's going on here. Think about what we're reading here. Returning to barley, they, these cities, these powers that are benefiting from thee, they have made thy beauty perfect. They talk about thy glory because they are benefiting from it. They are helping you in military ways. They are helping you in economic ways. They are all just ready to go to help you out and be part of your system because it helps them also. Verse twelve, Tarshish, was thy merchant by reason of the multitude of all thy riches with silver, iron. Understood. Now, I will just add this, he says, Tarshish in Spain and that area there in England, that where Joseph of Arimathea had his tin mines and copper mines and was very a wealthy man. He's the one who was the uncle and came and purchased the body of, Yah- of Yahshua. And you'll hear it talked about in that land of Tarshish, these rich mines that are there. Tyre had control over them. Look at verse 13. Yavan, Tubal, and Meshach, they were thy merchants. They traded the persons of men and vessels of brass in thy market. Sons of Japheth who traded, and uh, Lily says, sons of Japheth who traded in slaves and vessels of brass. Meshech later became the settlers of Muscovia, the Muscovites known today as Moscow. Continuing with barley, they of the house of Tagarma traded in thy fairs with horses and t- horsemen and mules. Lily says, Tagarma was part of the southern Russia and Armenia. Barley, the men of Didan were thy merchants. Many isles were in the merchants of thine hand. They brought thee for presents, horns of ivory and ebony, lily. These are the low countries or coastlands. Captive markets are fixed markets like the Wall Street and Federal Reserve money changers of today. Barley, Syria was thy merchant by reason of the multitude of wares of thy making. They occupied in thy fairs with emeralds, purple, and broidered work. And fine linen, coral, agate, agate, or agate lily. All the nations of the earth were involved in her trade, including the house of Jacob, that is correct. In fact, most of the sailors of the of Tyre were of the house of Israel. Barley, Judah and the land of Israel, they were thy merchants, they traded in the in thy market wheat of mineth and panag and honey and oil and balm etc. You get the picture. This tire had quite an extensive empire, did it not? The United States of America has quite an extensive empire, does it not? It trades with all kinds of empires, Taiwan, blah, blah, blah. Lily, so do the Jewish multinational bankers located in New York, London, and Rome who control the economy of the U.S. But look in verse 27. Thy riches and thy fares, thy merchandise, thy mariners and thy pilots, thy caulkers, and the occupiers of thy merchandise, and all thy men of war that are in thee, and in all thy company which is in the midst of thee, shall what? Shall fall into the midst of the seas in the day of thy ruin. Well, none of this rules out that they're they're working for a spiritual Satan. None of it is ruled out. And so you're going to be brought down. God's going to take away your power and bring you down, Tyrus, very good. And Lily interjects here, to quote Lance Knight, the whole unclean, corrupt, worldwide trading system is coming down. Yes, this is a glamorous ship of Satan's going to sink to the bottom of the ocean, never to rise again. The same fate awaits the corrupt one-world system of today, known as Babylon the Great in the book of Revelation. She is soon coming down to Revelation 18.2. And he cried mightily with a strong voice, saying, Babylon the Great is fallen, is fallen, has become the habitation of devils. There's the devils again. Are those figurative devils <laughs> or literal devils? And so, let me go. Uh, let me just finish this quotation, and I'll go to Revelation eighteen, two, and the whole of every foul spirit. There's that word spirit. This is Lily quoting from Revelation, which, uh, of course, Barley declines to do, and a cage of every unclean and hateful bird. Tyre also became the habitation of devils and the hold, even stronghold, of every foul spirit and cage of every clean, uh, unclean and hateful bird. Okay, and she has a link here, uh, complete study of Ezekiel by Lance Knight. Tyre is a type of Babylon on the great, and as Barley is pointing out, these verses can be applied to either system, the one then or the one now. Okay, so we're running out of time, so let me go to Revelation 18.2. And let's do the word study, which the non-seedliners do not like to do word studies. They just don't, which is a great failing on their part. They need to do these word studies to get the actual meanings of the words and not just assume that the King James translation is correct, all right? All right, now what about these angels? Revelation 18.1. And after these things, I saw another angel come down from heaven. Is that some human being? Having great power and the earth was lightened with his glory. So this being, this angel, shone with a great light. Are human beings capable of lightening the earth and sky? (laughs) I think only Yahshua was able to do that. Verse 2. And he cried mightily with a strong voice, saying, Babylon the Great has fallen, has fallen, and has become the habitation of devils. Okay? Greek word number 1142. Daemon. As we found out from the Hebrew, shade is demons. Okay? It says a demon or supernatural spirit of a bad nature, devil. So I doubt that Mr. Barley ever looked up the meaning of this word and the hold of every foul spirit and a cage, blah, blah, blah. Okay? So we're talking about angels and devils, which are spiritual entities Not earthly, earthbound entities, as Barley keeps on insisting that uh, there is no supernatural realm being discussed in these verses. That's what Barley claims. All right. So, but here we see that the meanings of the Hebrew and Greek words clearly indicate we're dealing with demons. And we quoted many verses from the New Testament dealing with demons and spiritual reality which the non-seedliners do not want to address. Okay, one more trip back to the document. Uh, We have a couple of minutes left here. And, yes, Tyre is a type of Babylon the Great, and as Barley is pointing out, these verses can be applied to either system, the one then or the one now. So there are parallels. Okay, so... But since Barley does not do any word studies, and he doesn't want to address the subject of demons, angels, and spiritual reality, which by the Bible clearly addresses in numerous, probably hundreds of places, that he is ignoring, ignoring this reality. And we can't do that. We simply cannot do that. Okay. So I'm going to conclude the, the lesson for today here, but I'm going to, uh, keep the connection alive because there are people in Telegram who want to ask questions. And so I'm going to take a real quick look at the chat room, the Eurofolk radio chat room, because I'm having difficulty, uh, accessing the, uh, the Telegram chat room and, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm too multitasking here. Okay, yeah. Seven of none says, the Greeks wiped out Tyre. Yes, Tyre was not a very powerful nation. As the verse says, yeah, they had mercenary soldiers from these other kingdoms. But Tyre itself was not a military empire. It had very limited military ca- capability. It was strictly uh, a a mercantile empire. And had to rely on mercenaries and other nations to help them out when, uh, when they were in danger. They could not withstand Greece and they could not withstand Rome either. Okay. So it was not a very powerful military empire. Th- that was the point that I was trying to make. Okay. So, uh, let's continue. And, uh, Lily is uh, doing the feed. And I'm not sure if, uh, she's in Eurofolk radio. The chat or the, uh, straight Eurofolk radio. Let me see if I can find. Let me see if I can find. Yes, Telegram is still running. Thank you. I know it's still running and I'm trying to find the audio feed so I can continue and take questions. All right. But my, my computer is not letting me. Access the audio feed on Telegram. Uh, so, Lily, if you're there, uh, maybe you can reestablish that for me. Okay, because I think my I I've been hacked. I've been unable to open up the uh, live stream from Eurofolk Radio. I can tell that Eurofolk Radio is broadcasting my voice, but I can't. I have no control of it. So, uh, Lily, if you're there. <laughs> okay. Miles Christie says the sound is bad or it was bad anyway. So, okay. If anybody is there in the chat, uh, you'll have to unmute yourself because I don't have the ability to do that right now so and uh, and lily you're the one you have control (laughs) you have control (laughs) okay Okay, so let me click on this live stream there we go thank you okay so uh let me see okay i don't think i have the ability to unmute people the camera is off click here to enable i don't need the camera Okay, okay, so I unmuted myself, I believe, okay, whether I needed to or not. Okay, so, Miles, are you there? It says that, uh, it looks like your mic is on, but I'm not hearing anything. Okay, this is uh, this is an experiment we're trying, folks, and uh, to see if uh, it says Miles is speaking, but I'm not hearing. So, it's still a problem. It's still a problem. Okay, let me see, let me see if I can go to settings. Microphone defaults new. Yeah, it should be working, but it's not. Okay. All right, so folks, I'm just going to have to, uh, as Miles suggested earlier, I'm going to have to uh, download Telegram from scratch and possibly with a a different phone number. I'll see if I can do that. Okay. (laughs) So, yeah, so I'm sorry, folks, I'm just... Uh, I'm not able to hear. I can see Miles is trying to say something, but I cannot hear him. So the connection is not there. Check out the audio settings on Telegram. So, uh, see what I can do. Uh, no, sound is on. Sound is on. But I have no control of it. Uh, I have to have my own live stream. That's what I need to have done. But thank you, Lily, for getting me um getting me uh on uh from your end anyway, live streaming Eurofolk radio on the telegram. And so next week hopefully we can get a, a full live stream from my end on telegram. So I'm gonna have to end the session today Uh, unfortunately i can't hear what miles is saying so here we go folks here is the music once again take care everybody free people will never remain free if they are not willing if need be to fight for their vital interests in this present crisis Government is not the solution to our problem. Government is the problem. Praise and pass the ammunition. The Restoration Hour with Pastor Eli J. All right, thanks for trying, Lillian Miles. It was a good effort. We will get this fixed. We will get it fixed. Praise Yahweh. pass the ammunition. Bye-bye, everybody.